I have long talked about the conflict between the far left Democrats and the regular Democrats, and it's only getting worse. And I got to say, I was, uh, at first I thought this tweet that Democrats put out was a joke. Turns out it was real. And now we can see the dramatic escalation of the fight between Nancy Pelosi and the far left. And let me just stress, I, I mentioned this in a video the other day that I don't think there's a left in this country anymore, like an actual unified left. The Democrats may as well be two different parties. You've got the far left small pocket of progressives who don't vote in line with other Democrats and the constant public fighting is only getting worse. And now the Democrats are going to woke war with the woke Democrats. This is insane. Okay. The Democrats are trying to get woke to combat the wokeness of Ocasio-Cortez when Cortez implied Pelosi was, was, was racist. This is just, look, the Democrats have been in disarray for years. Following, look, look at 2016. How many Democratic candidates were on the stage to actually primary? It was like four or five, and then it immediately fell to two. Where were the Democrats? There were none. Now there's too many. What is happening? They're all over the place, promising things that make no sense, that can't be done, they can't deliver on. And and, and now we see this. I, I, my, my, my word, this tweet from the House Democrats. Who is this guy? And why is is he explicitly singling out a Native American woman of color? Her name is Congresswoman Davids, not Sharice. She is a phenomenal new member who flipped a red seat blue. Keep her name out of your mouth with hand claps between each word. Listen, woke Twitter is destroying the Democrats. I've said it over and over again. Because I call this out, they dare say I'm right wing. But I'm like, what? what is Nancy Pelosi right wing? That's how insane things have gotten. Here's what most of us thought at first. This tweet is so insane, identitarian nonsense, trying to act like uh, Saikat Chakrabarty, who is a person of color, is singling out a person of color. What is going on? We all thought this was someone who had control to the House Democrats account accidentally tweeting here instead of on their personal account. So if you're not familiar with Twitter, you can actually have multiple accounts set up on one app. And this happens to me all the time because I got a couple different, uh, um, I, there's like business accounts like most people use. And you'll get a notification. And if you touch it, it might switch your account without you knowing. So often when it comes to this, you know, House Democrats account, there will be like an intern who will accidentally log into the wrong account and then tweet something like this. That's what we all thought. Okay. At least most of us. I saw this and I was thinking, oh man, this tweet's going to get deleted in like 10 minutes and they're going to have to be like, oh, an intern accidentally logged in. Nope. I kid you not. This is a legitimate tweet from the Democrats, hand clap and all, calling out Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff, who personally knows Congresswoman Sharice Davids, and smearing him as if he's racist. Why? Oh my God. Because not that long ago, only a few days ago, this story from the Daily Caller, Ocasio-Cortez implies Pelosi is racist for singling out newly elected women of color. So what did they tweet? The exact same thing, pushing back. And, and, and I'm going to throw out to Ian Miles Chong right here, who's got the top reply. You can't outwoke the woke. You opened the door to it, and there's no way to close it now. This person, Tony P- uh, Poznanski, tweeted. Let's just see what he says. I'm a Democrat. I always will be, ba- uh, be based on the Democratic ideals. I agree. But where are they going? But this tweet is so effing embarrassing. I can't believe this is still up. Everything about this is literally cringeworthy. Take it down and effing worry about impeachment and kids in cages. The left and the right. Unify. 
over the psychosis of the Democrats. Maybe this was a mistake and they just didn't take it down. But I got to say, it's been uh, 12, 13 hours or so. It, 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 so, so no, it, it's been, yeah, yeah. No, it's been almost 20. No, it's been about, yeah, 12 or 13 hours or so. Uh, a little bit longer. And here we are. The tweet is still up. And in fact, more has happened. This story from The Hill, House Democratic Caucus rebukes Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff. We all thought it was a, was, was a, was a mistake, but it's still up. Even, even anti-Trump, pro-impeachment individuals are saying, what is wrong with you? Okay, listen, man, I am a moderate who leans left. I am, I am, I am not even a swing voter. I have, ne- I have never voted Republican. Like there, there's, I think the only, actually the only president I've ever voted for is Barack Obama. Okay. I have not never, uh, I, I have never considered voting for a Republican president. I have, I have, I will not vote for Trump. I am actively looking for someone who will support my ideals. And I'm a big fan of Tulsi Gabbard. As most of you probably know, I put out a, a post on Facebook earlier and mine's listen, I have seen the Democrats going insane getting woker and woker, embracing, you know, Ocasio-Cortez and, and her, her inane nonsense, illogical emo- emotions with, with no reason, her mistake and gaff after gaff. And I've called it out. She's very prominent. Listen, I don't think she's the most powerful person in the world, but she does have over 4 million followers and tremendous influence. And other Democrats rally behind her when she says ridiculous things. What are we seeing now with the Democrats? They refuse to deal with the border crisis, calling it a, a hoax for, for, for months. And now here we are. And, and now what do we get? Oh man, what happens when moderate leftist Tim Pool, who supported Bernie Sanders rather fervently in 2016, calls out the insanity that is, that is infecting the Democrats? They call me right wing. But you know what? Even the pro-impeachment, you know, never Trumpers are now saying, what is happening? One of the funniest things I've seen, and I have it pulled up, was uh, an article highlighting all of the times the never Trumpers have, sorry, have, have recently begun begging Democrats to stop. There are a lot of former conservatives, former Republicans, or, or they're still conservative, they're not Republican anymore, who refuse to vote for Trump. I actually kind of understand that. Look, I don't think all of Trump's policies are bad, but I do think he's a bad representa- re- re- representative of uh, a national leadership. The, uh, look, I'm not going to get into a whole Trump tirade again because I often criticize the man. My, my, my stance is usually like, I get it, he's bad, but he's not that bad. I don't have Trump derangement syndrome. I just think his character is, is lacking and he's made some foreign policy mistakes. But when we look at the Democrats, where have they gone? You now see you, you now see they're going so far left that the never Trumpers, the people who are like, I will not vote for this man. I would rather vote for a Democrat are now looking at the Democrats going, wait, 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 wait what are you doing? I definitely can't support that. They've shot so far to the left. It's like they don't even make sense anymore. We saw ICE protesters earlier uh, uh, in the store yesterday, I believe, taking down the American flag and putting up a Mexican flag. They're actually campaigning in Mexico. They're now going on Twitter. What is this? What, you, you've even got anti-Trump Democrats, pro-impeachment Democrats saying, delete this tweet. Psycat Chakrabarty responds saying, this tweet was in response to someone else's tweet where they specifically brought up Rep. Davids. Why did you leave that out? I've known Rep. Davids for a long time. Consider her a friend and encouraged her to run for Congress back in the fall of 2016. I'm glad she did. Everything I tweeted two weeks ago was to call out the terrible border funding bill that 90 plus Dems opposed. It gave Trump a blank check to continue caging people in horrendous conditions. Our democracy is literally falling apart. 
I'm not interested in substance-less Twitter spats. No, Psycat, you're a part of what's causing it to fall apart by using exploits to get people like Ocasio-Cortez elected. It is destabilizing the Democratic Party and ensuring Trump will win. You are the catalyst for the failures of the Democrats. When Ocasio-Cortez got in and embraced your wokeness, they're now spiraling out of control, putting out ridiculous tweets like this. Don't take my word for it. Here's Frank Luntz, famous pollster, who tweeted, the House Democrats official Twitter account calls out AOC's chief of staff, Sycat, after he accuses a new House member of enabling a racist system. Far left Democrats tactic of labeling anyone who opposes them a racist is now being trained on their own party. He says there are 43 women of color in the House. Nancy Pelosi telling four of them to think before tweeting is not singling out women of color. He says, to be fair, the GOP was a circus of infighting leading up to the last presidential election too. completely agree. So maybe we will see a reformation, some kind of new unity among the left. But I think it's going to create polarized extreme. Actually, no, 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 no. I I don't think. Look, social media is only showing us the most extreme voices. So naturally, when the media starts getting dominated by identitarian leftists, woke leftists, they don't see me as being on the left, even though I've literally been my whole life voted for Obama. And I'm actually slightly to the left of Obama on a lot of issues. But here I am. Here I am. Uh, being 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 smeared and lied about and called right wing because I dare challenge how insane things have gotten. I, I, I dare say my criticism is predominantly about watching the, the, the Democrats spiral out of control over the past several years and, and calling it out honestly as someone who holds left wing policy positions, literally left wing. I don't mean a le- I mean, I mean, like straight on the political compass, leaning more towards cooperative markets more towards regulation, social policy. That's where most of my positions lie. But I like the fact that we have a country and I think we need a strong democratic, you know, principled opposition to Republicans. Someone responded to me on my Minds post about Tulsi saying, an eagle can only fly with two strong wings. And what do we have now? A fractured, disparate left that is fighting and bickering and embracing a cult-like political ideology. And anyone who dare calls them out will be smeared and destroyed. Well, Frank Luntz can see it. But let's go on because I've got some more stories for you just to just to go over many more issues. This story from just the other day, yesterday morning, Rep. Greg Meeks lobs veiled primary threat against Ocasio-Cortez amid intolerable feud with Democratic leadership. The internal civil war among Democrats, it's on purpose. Cenk Uger of the Young Turks helped facilitate the, the Justice Democrats. I believe Kyle Kalinske as well. I have tremendous respect for Kyle Kalinske. I'm not trying to, you know, disrespect him here. Jenk, I, I do have some respect for, absolutely. Um, although he was mean to me in the past for some reason. I disagree with him on a lot of issues, but I have no, no, no issue with him. Uh, I just think he's wrong. I think Kyle's wrong on some issues, but Kyle's actually very principled and I have tremendous respect for, them, for him. Together though, they were big players in Justice Democrats. I, I'm, I believe there's a bunch of different groups that all work together. And they're using exploits to infiltrate the, 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 uh, the Democratic Party. Here's what I would say. I have absolutely no problem with a progressive, a real progressive, you know, someone who's actually far left coming into Congress. But Ocasio-Cortez got in through an exploit and she doesn't seem to know what she's talking about. And this causes damage and infighting and has only hurt the left. Perhaps that's what they wanted. They want to actually destroy the Democratic Party and force some massive change, realizing that it will, it will mean Trump gets another term and the reform has to happen. It, it, it's interesting. The last vestige of the Democratic establishment, Hillary Clinton, when things, you know, with Barack Obama moving into Hillary, that was the establishment and it failed. Trump came in 
and mopped the floor with the other Republicans and did change the party in a very different way. More right-wing populist. People like to smear that claiming it's authoritarian. It's not. It's more of the, the normal working class and less of the big corporatist Republican elites. So now you see even like the Koch brothers coming together in, at an event. I don't know exactly. It was reported by the Observer that he was the uh, Koch brothers working with the uh, uh, George Soros. Everything's all topsy-turvy and complicated. But this story is interesting specifically based on a quote. I believe it was from Meeks who said near the bottom here. Uh, OK, no, this is a, this is anonymity. This is an anonymous uh, Democratic leadership source. So Daily News reports. A Democratic leadership source who only spoke on condition of anonymity was harsher. Quote, justice Democrats in general are trust fund kids who are funding this with their parents' money. The source said blasting the progressive group as elitist for criticizing black lawmakers from poor districts who take corporate donations. It's offensive for CBC members when these elites are looking down on them when they don't have the financial ability to say, I don't want that money. Asked for an example, the source pointed to Ocasio-Cortez chief of staff and Justice Democrats co-founder Saiket Chakrabarty, a millionaire Harvard graduate who worked on Wall Street before turning to left-wing politics. How typical. Worked on Wall Street, now involved in progressive politics. And thus we can see the fracturing of what the left really was a long time ago. In 2011, when I was at Occupy Wall Street and saw libertarians, conservatives, and the left coming together complaining about Wall Street, the top 1% elites, revolving door policies, corrupt corporate elites and politicians hooking each other up and patting themselves on the back. And we said enough. The American people, I mean, not everybody. But very quickly, everything was just shifted. And instead of talking about the fact that the wealthy elites took advantage of these revolving door policies and corruption to, to enrich themselves to damaging the economy, what happened? The narrative quickly switched over the next few years to talk about racial identitarianism. And then we can see on the left, which was supposed to be the party of Occupy Wall Street, now embracing a Harvard graduate who worked on Wall Street. And there we have it. Not somebody who actually wants to hold the elite powerful. uh, I'm sorry, holds the powerful elite to account. Someone who is a powerful elitist, who's disrupting the Democrats and causing problems and damaging the left. Whatever his intentions are, he's part of that problem that everyone protested against the wealthy elites with a silver spoon in their mouth. Now, look, if you're born privileged, I'm not saying I hold anything against you. I'm saying it's 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 shocking to me that you could have progressives standing up against the elite saying we need populism. The people need to rise up. And what do we get? A shell candidate. Ocasio-Cortez backed by millionaires and people with a ton of money, one of which actually worked on Wall Street. Now, of course, maybe, you know, I, I want to be fair and say maybe Psychat saw the problems and turned and changed his opinion and came to work with people like the Young Turks. But the Young Turks are rich too, okay? These aren't, we, they, they look at Ocasio-Cortez as some like working class bartender-like person, sure, but she's propped up by these powerful, wealthy elites and she's chosen by them. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. We saw that whole conspiracy claiming that Ocasio-Cortez was a puppet candidate. No, it's actually quite simple. Businesses look for someone they agree with to prop up. They didn't do a casting call like many people argue. It wasn't that they wanted an actress to play the progressive. They just found the right person, someone who had the right background. She was vetted. They said she will sell to the American public. We can get her elected as a working class individual and prop her up. They could have chosen anybody. They could have run themselves. Why didn't Saikat Chakrabarti run? He has money because he's not electable. 
He's a Wall Street millionaire, but he's behind Ocasio-Cortez. And how convenient, how absolutely convenient. And here we can see how the media, European media, plays into the existing psychosis of the left. The Guardian is based in the UK, though they do have a New York operation and they do have Americans working for them. The point is foreign funded media impacts the left in ways like this. They write, Nancy Pelosi's renewed attacks on AOC aren't just disrespectful, they're dangerous. They're dangerous as America grows increasingly brazen in its bigotry. Pelosi should be standing up for her new colleagues. Why isn't she? Why do I care about what foreign funded media has to say? It's disconcerting. Someone commented, I I made a commentary video the other day talking about how I don't think there's a real left in this country anymore. There are leftists, there are left-wing pockets, but the left is fractured completely. I'm evidence of it, right? So is Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin said the left left him. He's not wrong. So what one person said, I forgot forgot your name, but I appreciate the tweet. The exposure, um, the Americans on the left being exposed to the European left has caused them to completely lose it. They've lost sight of what our country is, and they're now too focused on what foreign opinion is. The New York Times is still rather moderate centrist in terms of American politics, saying the Democrats are making Americans feel like strangers in their own country. Why should I care about the Guardian's op-ed piece? Of course, it's American left-wing content for sure, but, but here you have it. Listen, the left used to be basically the Democrats. And I would hear activists say all the time, they're not really the left. And I'm like, no, they are in this country, okay? Two wings, on, you, know, you know, an eagle flying with two strong wings, as, as someone said. I don't know where that phrase comes from, so forgive me. I just saw it on the internet. It's going to turn out to be a quote from some psychopath. I don't know. The point is, we need a principled and strong Democratic Party, a left-wing coalition to combat Republicans and conservatives. Because with balance comes harmony. The ability to live in this country peacefully and with cooperation and compromise. Sometimes you lose, sometimes you win. But right now we don't have a a coalition on on the left. There is no the left to be a part of. If I were to vote, I'd vote for Tulsi Gabbard based on like 80% of her policy positions. Get rid of private uh, prisons and foreign war and the war on drugs, protect free speech, combat big business and big tech. I'm like, Tulsi, you are right there. I am standing right next to you. Ending the foreign war is principled and the most important thing. She stood up up to the DNC and she's who I support, have donated to, and will likely vote for. I don't think she'll win. So I get it. I think Trump is bad, but he's not that bad relative to what the media claims about him. I, uh, I'm, I'm a moderate leaning to the left, never really considered voting for a Republican, probably uh, w- will not vote for Trump. And uh, that's okay. I know that, that, that's the way it's supposed to be there. It's supposed to be that there are moderate people on the left who will be like, well, you know, we lost this one and, and Trump gets his way and we got to keep fighting. Trump got to appoint Brett Kavanaugh. He gets to appoint a bunch of judges. Well, that's how our country works. I'm not a baby. Okay. I've seen Republicans come and go. George Bush was a nightmare. Obama was pretty bad too. Uh, And that's why I think Tulsi would never win. And also I feel like, you know, even if she did, I doubt she would be able to do half the things she wants to do and it would be compromised. But hey, it is what it is. Okay. It's how the game works. It's how politics works. Even though I can say all of these things and and conservatives can hear it and say, hey, Tim Pool is not right wing by any stretch of the imagination. The left claims I am. The the, the woke leftists on on Twitter and and, and these, these various left wing outlets will claim I am. This is good evidence there is no left. Because even though I'm in favor of public health care, like literal social programs, welfare programs, etc., and I can go into great detail about social liberalism, they won't accept me. They excise me and say, no, you go hang out with the Trump people. 
And I'm like, I don't want to vote for that guy, though. Don't make me do that. Why are you making me defend him? Where are they? You know, so that so then we can see what else we have. We have the anti-woke left, right? The, the Chapo Trap House types who think wokeness is a problem. They're being called reactionary grifters now by the media, by some in media. Reactionary grifters, they don't actually care about about class privilege. They're, they're just reactionary grifters pretending to be socialists. Here we go. You can't be left. I'm sorry. You can't. Unless you're an identitarian, you are not the left. No matter what. I could flat out say, like in 2016, I kid you not, I was walking on the street ranting about why I liked Bernie Sanders. He endorsed Hillary. I got mad. He pushed that, you know, white people don't know what it's like to be poor thing. I got mad. And now he's full on woke. And I'm, and then he gave up the stage and I'm like, man, he really lost me. But I was so excited for a lot of his policies. I think we need to cancel student loan debt in some way. I'm not saying outright just delete it makes no sense, but we can maybe freeze interest rates. We have to do something because millennials are failing. And it was part of it was society's failure. I don't like the idea of giving people, people just free stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about moderate principled plans to alleviate the burden of student loan debt on young people who were convinced it was the right thing to do. And it was wrong. And it's stunting growth and damaging the economy. There's going to be a housing crash because millennials won't buy houses anymore. They're not having families. It's all bad. Let's figure this out. I am on the left with you guys. They refuse to have me. So here's the thing. If Chapo is reactionary grifters and they're literal socialists, if I'm in favor of social programs to alleviate debt, helping young people, previously supported Bernie and now support Tulsi, doesn't matter. My politics, my principles, everything aligns with exactly how I express myself. Trump's not that bad. Kind of don't like him, but he's not that bad. I believe in free speech for, for, for everybody. And that means defending deplorable and, and, and sometimes detestable conver- uh, 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 talking points and, and speech. I think Ocasio-Cortez is damaging the environmental movement. I made videos praising Ocasio-Cortez in the past. They ignore all of this. There's no left anymore. What do we see? We see this. Just the, the, it's the, they're gone. And it's really frustrating to me. It really is because I've been watching it happen for a long time. I remember working for Fusion and seeing this, the insane rhetoric propagate. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, what happened to the, the urban blue Democrat? They're gone. Skateboarders. Listen, okay. Skateboarders are typically urban, you know, in blue areas. They have no, no regard for police for the most part. In fact, they don't like them. Skateboarders, when we we do, uh, we do, it's called grinding. It's when you jump with the board and you you slide across some kind of obstacle by going fast. It's called grinding, literally grinding. Okay, so there's a metal part of the board called a truck, and you're sliding across a rail or a ledge, stripping the paint off, causing damage. You're waxing it, and it leaves stains. Skateboarders don't care that it does this. It's not part of their thought process. They're just skating and having a good time, even though it's damaging to the building. Police come, they get mad. The reason I bring this up, trust me, it's important. It's that skateboarders are anti-authority, want to do their thing, aren't thinking about the ramifications. They're typically from cities. They are typically progressive on the left, extremely anti-racist. I grew up watching these videos from skateboarders saying one of the coolest things about skateboarding is how we don't care about your politics. We care about, you know, everyone being equal and being friends and cheering each other on. No matter what color your skin is or what country you're from, we welcome you. And I'm like, that is so progressive. That's how I grew up. Guess what? skateboarders message me, cheering me on, inviting me out to events to do videos. I kid you not. I've done several videos with some, uh, some big, uh, skateboarders over the past couple of years. And I get messages every day. The reason I bring this up, trust me, skateboarders were the left. They were very left. You've, you're losing them. The Democrats are losing many of them. Sure. Some of them, 
weirdly enough, have become like, you know, Antifa, you know, full on identitarian. But most of, like, I, I get, I've been hit up by some childhood heroes of mine who are like lefty progressives. Now just you lost them. Whatever the Democrats are doing, they've lost us. Kind of the calm, rational, kind of leave me out of it type, live and let live, liberal, vote for a Democrat people. They've lost us. We believe in helping others. And this is why. I don't understand. You know, I can call this out and they will smear me for it. Psycat Chakrabarty fighting with the, with the actual House Democrats account, clapping over how woke each other could be. It's just, it's just completely insane. And I'll tell you what, you want to know what else is crazy? Donald Trump coming to the defense of Nancy Pelosi, and I'm losing it. I am losing it. Nancy Pelosi, I think I've actually been defending a bit in the past couple weeks. Um, there was one where, where people were claiming that Pelosi was slamming Ocasio-Cortez by raising up a glass of water and saying, put a D on it, and uh, it would get elected in her district. But she was talking about herself, too. She was being kind of reasonable. I don't like, histor- like for most of my life, a very anti-elitist. I, I really love watching the ivory tower collapse, okay? Nancy Pelosi is worth, what, like millions, hundreds of millions or some ridiculous amount of money, and she's on a salary of 174 k I don't like that. You don't represent me. You're elitist, okay? You're rich. But I gotta defend Nancy Pelosi. She's not a racist. She's, she's calling out the absurdity that's damaging the Democrats. I respect her for doing so. And props to Trump for coming to Pelosi's defense. The, the, the regular people of this country are nowhere near this far left fringe nonsense. And I got to say, when, we, when Trump comes out to defend the Democrats, these far leftists are causing night, nightmares for the Democrats. They're ensuring Trump's going to win. And I, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't know what the solution is. But you know what? I'll, uh, I'll wrap it up there. Actually, let me, let me throw out one last final tidbit because this, this video went long for whatever reason. New, new uh, uh, data, for, uh, this is actually from last month from Pew, shows that Republicans think fake news is, a, is more of a problem than the Democrats do. And, and you know what that means? The Republicans are paying attention to how bad the news is getting, in my opinion, and the Democrats aren't. The Democrats don't realize that a lot of this news is just, it's, it's just fake hyperbolic nonsense. It's things taken out of context. It's smears. It's the decaying of, uh, what is it, the fourth estate? Republicans can see this, and it's going to result in a Trump landslide. I, I wish the Democrats would stop. I wish we had a principled left in this country to provide a real moderate opposition to Donald Trump and provide us with, it, with an opportunity for progressive policies, but we don't have it. So all I can really do is say that among the Democrats who have actually stood on their, on, the, on their principles, Yang and Gabbard, uh, and I respect them for it, of course they won't be allowed to win. We'll see what happens. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up, youtube.com slash timcastnews. For the, for the podcast, it's a different order. Uh, the podcast every day at 6.30 p.m. when I don't screw things up. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all next time. This story is probably not as big a deal as many people might want to make it. What happened is, well, according to Fox News, anti-ICE protesters pulled down American flag, raise Mexico flag, vandalize Blue Lives Matter flag. The reason I say it's probably not as big as many people would make it is that this isn't an organized effort by, say, the Mexican government to conquer a piece of American land and raise their flag above American soil in, well, in victory. What it is is a bunch of activists, probably with no plan, and some people decided to put up the, the Mexican flag. However, it still is a story, and it's important for one reason. I don't think this is a symbol of, like, an invasion. You're going you're, you're to get a lot of right-wing commentators being like, oh, it's an invasion. They, they say this a lot. I disagree. It's activists and probably one or two people who just did this because they thought it was funny. Like, they, they wanted to do it. Not that it was funny, but it was like, ooh, we're going to do this. Most of them probably didn't think twice. 
But what this is, it's a symbol to Americans that there is some kind of lawlessness and disdain for this country. We are seeing people actually take down the American flag, vandalize a Blue Lives Matter flag, and later, uh, I believe it may have been ICE agents had to put the flag back up. That means something to people who care about this country, that care about the flag. It means that there are people in this country who are protesting for the disillusion of immigration enforcement, and they would disrespect the American flag. Now, you might be some urban city liberal who says, yeah, whatever, they took the flag down. But rest assured, there are many Americans who are hearing these debates, who are watching the Democrats say we're going to give health care to illegal immigrants, and then people actually stringing up Mexican flags at our federal facilities. Fighting a sneeze. Give me a second. Before we move on, and in case I sneeze, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, and a physical address. But of course, the best thing you can do, share this video. And I mean that wholeheartedly. YouTube no longer suggests independent creators. They recommend them sometimes, but suggestions are gone, which means after this video, you're likely going to get Fox News, CNN, or MSNBC. So long as you who watch share it, we'll be unstoppable. I mean, sort of. A little hyperbole. But you know, if you like it, share it. Let's read the story. Authorities in Colorado restored an American flag to its place Friday evening after protesters demonstrating outside a U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement facility pulled down the star-spangled banner and flew the flag of Mexico in its place. The protesters also removed a Blue Lives Matter flag honoring law enforcement, spray-painted it with the words abolish ICE, and then raised the flag upside down on a pole next to the Mexican flag, according to local media. This is significant because there are going to be people in this country who are probably apolitical, not activated, moderate, maybe voted Democrat most of their lives, and they just saw the flag of their nation replaced with a flag of a different country, okay? You have to understand, people react based on symbols and feelings, less so on facts. Unfortunately, people, especially Democrats, talk about how they feel some things should be and how they feel certain things should be right. Now, of course, saying you feel a certain way could be synonymous with saying you think a certain way. And I've got a ton of people saying, Tim, stop saying you feel a certain way. Say you think a certain way. And it's like, that's not what I'm trying to say. I get it. So it's, it's, it's a turn of phrase. What I'm saying is there are literally people who will look at Ocasio-Cortez's sad face and vote for her based on nothing else, just her sad expression. They're, 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 uh, they feel something. It doesn't matter what the policy is. Well, I assure you the same is true for many people in the middle and on the right who feel scared when a massive group of people take down the American flag and replace it with the flag of Mexico, all the while they're hearing rhetoric about an invasion and mass migrant caravans and calls for securing the border and Democrats obstructing. I assure you, removing the American flag is going to scare many people in this country. And the more I see this, and the more I see the Democrats refusing to denounce this, but actually getting on board with the far left rhetoric and nonsense, I'm just, I'm, I'm resigned to Trump winning again. It's a, it's a foregone conclusion as far as I'm concerned. Now, look, I hate making predictions because you would be a fool if you're a Trump supporter and you think Trump's got this one 100% in the bag. Arrogance. That, will, that was the downfall of Hillary Clinton, who didn't campaign in the blue wall states, thinking she got this one. Trump can never win. And she lost. So all I can really say is, while this is a symbol which will shock many Americans, I don't think it's like, you know, it's not a bunch of, it's like the Mexican government trying to take over land. It's just activists being disrespectful. But this will shock many people. 
I think Trump, Trump is on Trump. Trump is on track for a victory. But if people get complacent, he will lose. You know, he does. He, he had a lot of advantages in 2016. He may not have those advantages anymore. So it's hard to say, but his approval rating is higher than it's ever been, according to the Washington Post and ABC News, though the aggregate has, ha, does have him at the, some of the highest points in his presidency, not the highest. His highest was just after inauguration. So technically, yes, in the past two years, he's higher than ever, which, which says to me, um, um, if this stuff keeps happening, the Democrats are fighting on Twitter. It's insane. Promising health care to illegal immigrants. Let me tell you this. Obama promised, pull this up. I'm not kidding. You can Google search this. Obama promised in 2007, I believe it was, at the end of his first term, he would sign into law universal health care. Guess what we got instead? Private mandate, in, in the individual mandate to buy private insurance. That's the worst thing that could have happened, in my opinion. As a liberty-minded person who does think we need a public health care system of some sort, gradually getting to a position where we can provide health care to everybody, not illegal immigrants, I, 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 do, I think Obama did bad. I think the public, uh, uh, the individual mandate was just forcing people to buy things they couldn't necessarily afford. It solved nothing. Did he get a universal health care in place? He didn't. He didn't even get a public option. I think a public option could work just fine. People buy into a government, government to, to Medicare or something like that. Like that. Instead, we got inver- an inversion, some kind of like neoliberal right wing corporate solution where the government forces you to buy from a, a private company. Anyway, I don't want to go off on a tangent on that. The point I'm trying to make is, how did we get from <clears throat> Obama saying, we will have universal health care, couldn't do it in two terms, sorry, to the Democrats being like, well, let's just jump the shark and go straight to giving government health care to illegal immigrants. We couldn't even get it for Americans. And now you're promising it to people who are non-citizens. Now we're seeing flags of a foreign country raised above, above ICE facilities. Oh man, it's just like, The story I'm preparing for uh, 4 p.m., so probably the segment here before this, is going to deal with this. So let's read on about this flag. They say, Hundreds of protesters gathered in Aurora, Colorado, outside the federal facility that holds illegal immigrants to protest ICE raids scheduled to begin Sunday in Denver and other major U.S. cities. Aurora Police Chief Nick Metz said the majority of protesters remained peaceful, and some even thanked officers for their evening efforts. The protest, part of a network of Lights for Liberty events, also dubbed the March to Close Concentration Camps, called for the detention centers at the U.S.-Mexico border to be closed and for all immigrants being held in those locations to be granted entry to the U.S., according to the event's Facebook page. Protester, uh, so we have some tweets from, uh, this one's from Matt Morrow. We have Jacqueline Allen reporting, the American flag flies once again outside Aurora Ice Facility. Tonight, we witnessed the best of Aurora during the peaceful Lights for Liberty demonstration. Thank you to everyone who remained peaceful and took the time to thank my cops. And thank you to all the officers who were there to ensure everyone's safety. Fox News writes, beginning Sunday, ICE agents will reportedly work to round up thousands of illegal immigrants across the U.S. President Trump delayed the operation by two weeks to allow Democrats to propose a bipartisan solution to the humanitarian crisis at the border. Speaking to Fox News during his visit to to, to the border Friday, Vice President Mike Pence said the upcoming ICE raids will not be done at random and will be focused on removing those deported by courts. So what's interesting here is we have law. It's been the law for nearly 100 years. If you come into this country without going through a port of entry, that's an illegal entry. You will then go through a court procedure to which you will find you will receive a final order to be deported. And then if you don't leave, you will be deported by force. They will come, they will arrest you, and they will remove you. It's actually 
kind of, I don't know, uh, methodical. That's what this ha- happened for a nearly a century. But all of a sudden, the Democrats are upset about it. They supported Obama. Obama deported, I think, three million. They called him deporter in chief. But here we are now with outrage from the Democrats. And it's quite simple. Twitterati. The woke Twitterati is spinning themselves into a web of insanity. There's, there's, there's a phenomenon that I noticed when I was younger between a, you know, a, a small pocket of individuals who isolate themselves and how they rile themselves up spinning into a fervor. There were a few people I knew. It was, it was three people and they were roommates and they spent only, they, they only spent time with themselves. They start one day, like one of them got mad at some other kid in the neighborhood and started talking smack. So the other, his, the other two friends started laughing and joining in. Within a week, they literally hated this guy and were like threatening violence against him because nonstop all day, every day, they were talking about how much they hated him because it was like a social bonding thing. They were laughing about it. So they wanted to be involved and wanted to have the community and they riled themselves up to where this other person was like, I have no idea why they're so mad. They were isolated and spiraling out of control. That's what's happening with many Democrats. They're watching woke Twitter they're pandering to the insanity. They're joining in and regular people are sitting back going, what is happening? But again, I'm going to save this for later today. Fox News writes, besides Denver, the raids were expected to take place in Atlanta, Baltimore, Chicago, Houston, Los Angeles, Miami, New York, and San Francisco. Raids scheduled for New Orleans, New Orleans may be delayed due to the tropical storm. Other Lights for Liberty protests took place across the U.S. Friday, including in San Isidro, California, Portland, Oregon, and New York, New York City. So basically, um, let, let, let me let me say this. Let me add something. In 20, uh, I believe it may have been 2015 or 16. It was during the Trump campaign. I was covering his rallies. I would frequently hear people chant things like make California Mexico again. And people laughed and thought it was funny. Now we're, we're moving on to the point where not only are the migrant caravans marching to the U.S. waving the banners of their home countries, which is strange if you're trying to come to the U.S. I, I, I think so. But they're actually now taking down the American flag to fly the flag of a different country. They march through the streets, the flag of a different country. And I got to say, free speech, by all means, wave the flag of a different country. That's fine. But recognize this is going to cause a massive backlash against the left for embracing this because regular Americans and middle liberals, uh, Democrats, conservatives, Republicans alike, there are regular people who are not woke on Twitter who are going to be like, oh, my God. Maybe, maybe Fox News was right. You know, Fox News has called out the migrant caravans waving the flags of a foreign country marching to the U.S. And there have been people repeatedly calling it an invasion. What do you think middle Americans who don't pay attention are going to think when they hear the rhetoric from Fox News about an invasion and then see someone literally raise the Mexican flag over a federal facility? It's not going to end well, Democrats. And they need to denounce this stuff, but they won't do it. They're pandering to the wokest of the woke to try and win the primary, and they're not going to be able to walk it back. I'll leave it there. Stick around. More videos to come. Next one will be at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all there. Nike got woke, and then nothing happened. Seriously. Now, the story you're looking at right now, for those that are listening, it says Colin Kaepernick spurs Nike stock after it pulled Betsy Ross flag sneaker. And this is the information war. It's how the game is played. If the stock went down, the people on the right or the anti-woke individuals, because they're not necessarily right wing, would say something like, aha, get woke, go broke. Now that stock is going up, the left is saying, aha, Colin Kaepernick helped Nike, when in reality, no, nothing happened. But I will say this, Ducey of Arizona 
is a bit spineless, I guess, flip-flops on Nike and welcomes the company to Arizona. Yes, because what we're seeing is one big virtue signal. Everyone's trying to claim they're winning, but let me just stress one thing I've said time and time again is that people care more about Game of Thrones than they do politics. And if I was going to have to assess what's going on here with Colin Kaepernick, the pulling of the Betsy Ross shoe and why their stock is going up, it's because Nike's stock goes up, as does the stock of every other company gradually. What this says to me is that people don't care for the most part. Now, that may be disheartening to many people who are upset that the American flag shoe was, rem- was removed, but it is what it is. For those that aren't familiar with the story, quick recap. Nike was going to put out this shoe with the American flag on it, the original American, fla- uh, American flag, the Betsy Ross flag. And they pulled it because Colin Kaepernick was offended. This offended a lot of other people. Now, listen, Nike stock is going up. They did miss projections, but other shoe companies did too. It seems like ultimately nothing happened. That Nike is such a big company, a story like this isn't really going to make a dent. I mean, Nike sells shoes in other countries too. So their stock probably isn't going to be moved by one US-based story. But there's a bit more here. Because I mentioned that the was the governor of Arizona has flip-flopped welcoming Nike to Arizona when he recently criticized them for pulling the shoe and said that he wanted to pull their uh, um, tax incentive or whatever. Well, apparently now that's not happening. But before I get too critical, I like to read the news with you guys. So here's what we'll do. Let's read how the left, it's, 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 it's a more woke perspective, is embracing Colin Kaepernick, acting like he did something well, and then move on with other updates. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a monthly PayPal option, a crypto option, and a physical address. But of course, the best thing you can do, just share this video because I rely on you sharing it on social media as YouTube has now deranked all independent commentary, making it harder for us to build our audiences without your support. So if you like the content, please share it, but let's read on. Forbes writes, shares of Nike are rising after former NFL star and activist Colin Kaepernick convinced the company to pull its Air Max One USA sneakers from store shelves. Kaepernick's concern over the shoe's Betsy Ross flag designs, connection to an era of slavery resonated with investors, as Nike has seen a 2% stock increase and added nearly $3 billion in market value since canceling the kicks. Full stop. Not true. She literally says that uh, this resonated with investors. No, I'm sure they just don't care. And I've said this over and over again. Get woke, go broke is funny, but it is not law. So I have videos where I say get woke, go broke, but it's more reference to an individual or anecdotal instance. And I've stressed time and time again, sometimes getting woke works. There have been movies that have gone woke that have done just fine and video games as well. It's just a matter of how you do it. Now, here's the thing. What Colin Kaepernick did with this shoe is whiny, lunatic, fringe, woke, Twitterati nonsense. Nobody cares like the, the American flag, the Betsy Ross era is not a symbol of hate, but sure enough, even the Forbes, uh, even For- the Forbes article tries to link it as such. Most people probably went to the store and don't pay attention. I'd be willing to bet I could walk outside this building right now in, uh, I'm in Norwalk, Connecticut, walk up to a random person and say, did you hear about Colin Kaepernick and the Betsy Ross shoe? And they'll be like, I, I have no idea what that is. And that's most people, which means when they go to the mall to buy a pair of, you know, cheap shoes, I don't mean cheap as in bad. I mean like inexpensive mall shoes, not like expensive Air Jordans or whatever. Whatever the popular Nike shoe is that I don't know about. When they go there, just get like, you know, I don't know, 50 bucks maybe. I don't even know how much Nikes cost. They're just going to buy the shoe. They're going to walk in and be like, I need shoes. I really don't think they're sitting there Google is searching the political opinions of a shoe company. 
So no, this is just normal business uh, trucking along. And it shows you that, yeah, to an extent, a lot of us that we talk about culture war issues, it's a bubble. It's those who are on the front line of politics. Now, these things do have a massive impact. We've seen like, um, you know, cancel culture get the postponing of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Kevin Hart being removed from what was the Oscars. So it has an impact. It does. It's not like it's, it's, it's you know, uh, doing nothing. It's, ser- it's, it's a serious issue. Some people would say that it's an edge case. It's not important. I think it is. I think where we are right now is the front line. And the things we witness and the things we focus on eventually ripple back and hit everyone else. So right now, no, I do not believe it's fair to say that Colin Kaepernick has given Nike a 2% stock boost by resonating his message with investors. I just don't think they care. And my, like, I've got stocks. They've gone up too. Stocks have just gone up. It's a great economy. Let's read on. They say Nike's intention were good as the Air, One, uh, the Air Max One USA was created in celebration of the 4th of July hot, holiday for $140. However, the design was ill-advised. Kaepernick noted the early flag with a circle of 13 stars was offensive due to its alleged association with extremist organizations. Complete nonsense. This is, my God, I tweeted about this. Let me tell you something. The Today Show smeared me. It's amazing. And they said something like Tim Pool, the YouTube personality who touted the claim that Seth Rich provided, you know, uh, hacked emails or whatever to uh, WikiLeaks which is such an absurd lie. And this is what they've done, right? They're, so so trust me, this, this is, reference makes sense. What happened is some activist, you know, who hates me, took a live stream that I did and cut out all the context, which really does have a huge impact. So you just hear me saying, I think it's probable there that Seth Rich, you know, um, that's a quote from another era, so I'm, I'm going to stop it there. That you know, they're trying to make it seem like I thought it was real, when in reality, what had happened was Fox News put out a report claiming that Seth there was evidence that it was true, and then you had Julian Assange offering a reward, making an making an insinuation everyone else thought was true, and then Kim.com claiming he had evidence. All of those things happen, and my response was, in my opinion, no, 55 to 65 percent chance specifically the context being that Fox News definitively reported fake news. And I said, I still don't believe it's true. I won't give it 100%. I won't call it confirmed even with Fox News. What they do is they take the context out where I'm actually saying I doubt the story to make it seem like I support the story. They do the same thing with a claim about Infowars where like in the stream, I'm basically talking about how Jones was trying to send reporters down to cover the Trump uh, events, and they did a good job of going mainstream. And that's a fact that is not disputed by anyone because they literally say on CNN, this is the Infowars president. That's literally my point. It's so weird how this happens. They did the same thing, uh, uh, Lauren Duca, and I, and I tremendous respect Lauren for going on the Ben Shapiro podcast. I'm, I'm not saying this to, uh, I'm not trying to be overly disrespectful. I have tremendous respect. If you're not familiar, Lauren Duca was like a former Teen Vogue writer. She's on the left. And she went on the Ben Shapiro podcast called in. And I, I tremendously respect that. But what happened was Ben Shapiro made a statement about how um, Megan Rapinoe, I, I think I'm pronouncing her name wrong, was getting contracts because she's a, tra- a tremendous athlete and an openly gay woman, among other things. And his point was uh, was not to disparage her, saying she wasn't talented. He was saying it adds to the amount of contracts she's getting. 
Lauren Duca responded by, by disagreeing while agreeing at the same time. It's the weirdest thing where she essentially said she provided like an awakening for many, you know, like gay babies or something, essentially saying that like young gay people can look up to her. And Ben Shapiro was like, you're right. I agree. That's the, that was my point. But they, they, they frame it in a tribal way where it's like, no, I don't agree. But anyway, I digress. The point I'm trying to make, um, and I just wanted to, I want, I wanted to go on a tangent on that one. This story right here, how they say it was being associated with extremist organizations. Now they do say alleged, and this is the game they play. This is how the, the, the fake news gets laundered. The Today Show smeared me, claiming I pushed the Seth Rich conspiracy by essentially expressing my doubt over a report from Fox News and independent media that it was true. And what happens then is you get Deadline, which cites the Daily Beast, which cites um, uh, NBC, which is citing some random medium post by an activist who's citing a different activist who took an out of context video and it makes its way to the Today Show. What do we see here? She's saying it's got an alleged association to an extremist organization. And that, and what's the source? Find the source of that information for me. I'll tell you what, it doesn't exist. The source is probably some random Twitter user with a cartoon avatar saying, I once saw a far right guy with this flag. And then that trickles up and makes its way to mainstream news on Forbes. Journalism is completely dead. So I will say this. Deadline initially wrote that I pushed the, the fake conspiracy theory. I emailed the editors asking for a retraction and correction. They removed it. So it just, it, they, they took all context out and it said that, you know, guests include Tim Pool and they removed that qualifier, respected that. But I asked them to actually add an update to clarify that they removed it and why. And they did this too, adding that other outlets have linked me to the conspiracy and that I later went on uh, onto Twitter to claim that fake news is lying about it because I wouldn't completely believe the report context being specifically Fox News reported was reported that it was true and there was evidence. And so uh, props to Deadline for, for making the update. I'm not asking you to push my narrative. I'm just asking you to put out my statement where I deny it, plain and simple. No one else has done that. There, there's some other individuals who have apologized and that's fine. But for the most part, we don't see media ever making these corrections. But let's, let's, let's get to the, uh, I, I've been going on a tangent about fake news. Basically, um, I think I made the point on the shoe thing. They're going to now claim based on dubious evidence. And I, and, and, and I do believe this is uh, an op-ed, although it's not labeled as opinion. So great. It's another huge problem in media. Thank you. Look, NewsGuard, you rated them as, as handling the difference between news and opinion um, responsibly. Come on, man. But you know, I don't know how many articles qualify an organization for not being responsible. This is an opinion piece. It may have resonated with investors. Your opinion... Okay. All we know right now is that Nike stock has been on the rise, period. We could argue that it took a dip and now it's back up. The other thing that's important to know about how these news, news, these news organizations operate is that immediately following the announcement about the 4th of July shoe, we could argue that, you know, it took a dip right here on July 1st. See, it goes down. I don't know when the announcement was made. I don't know why the investors are saying things, but I could have looked at this and then said, look, a day later, their stock went down and then proclaimed victory. And that's it. Or you could wait three days because the stock will recover after the news dies out and then claim we won victory. It's all nonsense, opinion nonsense, plain and simple. Let me add a couple things. It's, it's, it's all marketing. I tell you what, here I am doing a video about Nike, getting their brand out there. The shoes were selling for a 2000% increase. People made a ton of money. Congratulations. Those who bought the shoe were duped by a, by a ridiculous campaign to generate buzz and then sell. Ricky Gervais 
is incredible. Trust me, this makes sense. He was on the Sam Harris podcast, race, I believe it was recently. And he said, what you need to realize about clickbait is that they don't care if they look bad. They don't care if you hate them. They just want the money. They want to generate a bunch of outrage, get those clicks. And then, and then what, what, what happens is they sell ads against it. That's how it works. So they put out a shoe that's, that no one is offended by. Colin Kaepernick complains and they go, boom, PR opportunity. What happened? Can we, can we say the stock increases due to this? We can't. There's no evidence. The stock just goes up. We can say jacking up the price on the shoe is the result of it getting taken down. Congratulations. You spent money on trash. So I, I guess I'll, I, I won't make this one super long. I'll end by saying, uh, we'll, we'll end with this story. Let me go through it real quick. Phoenix New Times writes, one week after Governor Doug Ducey issued a lengthy rant on Twitter criticizing Nike for discontinuing a shoe featuring a Betsy Ross flag, uh, uh, he tweeted again, this time to welcome the company to Arizona. Seriously? I am embarrassed for Nike, wrote at 2 a.m. on July 2nd. Uh, I'm not going to read through that statement because we get it. We don't need to suck up to companies that consciously denigrate our nation's history. Nike decided to pull the shoe following backlash from former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick, which we all understand. But then apparently he went on to flip-flop saying, this is good news for Arizona and for Goodyear AZGov. 500 plus jobs, over $184 million in capital investment. Arizona is open for business. Congratulations. Thanks for sticking to your guns and pushing back on a company. It's absurd that a government actor would, would publicly criticize or rescind a tax incentive over the, the, the oper- what a private business does especially related to speech issues. The government should not be in that business. It's ridiculous. It's also ridiculous to then flip-flop. I got to say, come on, man, grow a spine. I'm going to leave it there. Point is, get woke. Sometimes nothing happens. Get woke. You do it right. You make money. Get woke or go broke. There's, it's not a law. It's just a funny saying because it's funny when you see these corporations pander. And the left agrees. Lauren Duca mentioned it's called, what, is, what did she call it? Rainbow capitalism? Or uh, they call it pinkwashing. I agree. I, I hate it too right? I'm right there with you. We're on the same side. But for some reason, they try to argue against, for tribal reasons, to cite back to the Seth, Seth, Seth Rich nonsense. It's like, I, I agreed with you guys that Fox News was likely wrong. And now you're smearing me because of it, because the real issue here is tribal warfare. I like free speech and I don't like far left Democrats. Although you can call Tulsi far left, whatever. I do like Tulsi. I do like Yang. And I really, really like Marianne Williamson, but that's a totally emotional thing. I'll say this. Tulsi Gabbard speaks to me on principle. Andrew Yang speaks to me on intellect. And Marianne Williamson speaks to me on an emotional level. Marianne Williamson comes off like this stern sweetheart of a, of a mom figure. And, and she's just so hokey and lovey. I, I really just enjoy seeing her on the debate stage. I wouldn't vote for her, but, but I think it's, it's, it's like her tweets are so like happy and weird, wholesome, like hippie crystal lady. Tulsi's principled. And so is Yang. And I have tremendous respect. But Yang has this massive list. I'm not going to make a, a political video. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up. The point is, they don't like me because I criticize the left tribe too much. Tim doesn't criticize the right. Well, listen, I've never cared or paid attention much to what they do because I don't agree with them. We're right now allies in supporting American values like freedom of speech, liberty, expression, etc. I want a future like Star Trek. Okay? Like, I, I watch Star Trek all the time. I'm rewatching The Next Generation right now. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It is a liberalist future. It is incredible. Post-scarcity, defending freedoms and values. There's an episode I just watched the other day where they're doing like an inquisition to try and find a spy. And they find out that one guy has alien history. Uh, uh, his, his, uh, his grandfather 
is part of an alien race they're at war with, or almost at war with, and so they don't trust him. And uh, what happens is one of the characters says, if he refuses to testify essentially on the Fifth Amendment, that proves he's guilty. And Picard says, no, we cannot hold constitutional rights being exercised against people. And the point is, they call it like the seventh you know, guarantee or whatever, but the Fifth Amendment, when people use that to refuse to self-incriminate, we say it must mean they're guilty, and that is not fair. It is a constitutional right, and everyone can express it. Because I agree with the Constitution, because I think America is a good country, because I like the flag, they don't like me. But guess what? Not a conservative, never going to be, uh, unless they rotate the wheel and throw conservatives off the bus, and then moderate leftists who believe in like public health care and pro-choice become conservative, which I think is part of the game plan. This is going too long. I'm going to stop here. Stick around. I'll save some of this for my next video, youtube.com slash TimCast. It is a different channel, and I will see you all then, 4 p.m. Ah, Seth MacFarlane, my old friend. Now, obviously, I'm not friends with him, literally. I just mean I'm a big fan of Seth MacFarlane. Family Guy's hilarious. I love it. American Dad, one of my favorite shows. I like American Dad way more than Family Guy. And The Orville, perfection. I'm a huge Star Trek The Next Generation fan. Never got into any of these new Star Trek versions that were just kind of like not there. I just didn't have it. The Orville comes out and kind of captures a lot of that old TNG amazingness. Seth MacFarlane, who's kind of a liberal guy, is where I find myself more used to. Now there's something weird happening with the Democrats going insane and everything falling apart. Well, Seth MacFarlane comes out recently begging the Democrats to unify. Oh, Seth, been there. Seth, you're right wing now, okay? Um, Because my politics are probably very much the same as yours. In fact, I'd imagine I'm a little bit to the left of you. And I've been calling out this nonsense for a while. I've worked within these media companies. I've seen what's driven the Democrats insane. And I'm still a big fan of Family Guy, American Dad, The Orville, etc. And I I watch these Seth MacFarlane shows and I'm just so confused how they're still around. And, and, and it's, it's kind of crazy. You, you think about Kevin Hart making his jokes and then getting removed from, I think it was what, 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 the Oscars. You'll get old edgy jokes that got Guardians of the Galaxy 3 postponed. Those are a bit over the line, I'll admit. But come on, man. Go watch an episode of Family Guy. And I am sh- I'm shocked this show is still on the air. They make disabled jokes. They make gay jokes. They make racial jokes. They've quite literally got a black character voiced by a white guy. And all of this is apparently okay because Family Guy makes money. I'll tell you what, it's because regular people don't live in woke Twitter world. Well, Seth MacFarlane gets this and he tweeted this out. He said, dear Democrats, I beg you more unity, less Twitter. You're all on the same side. No, Seth, they're not on the same side. Okay. I'm on your side. Okay. I like your shows. I like your offensive comedy. They're jokes. We get it. Ricky Gervais. I'm on his side. We're all kind of left-leaning individuals that are calling out the insanity and trying to defend free speech, humor, live and let live, but more liberal policies. Unfortunately, the influence on this side is gone. So I'm very grateful to Seth for speaking up to his nearly 15 million followers and calling this out, and Ricky Gervais too, who if you haven't, uh, if you haven't checked out the Sam Harris podcast with Ricky Gervais, go do it. It's incredible. Let's read a little bit of this before we move on. Head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a monthly PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, just share this video because YouTube no longer suggests independent content. I need to clarify this. People keep messaging me saying, Tim, YouTube is rec- you know, rec- recommending your videos. No, 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 no. Suggested is a specific bracket on YouTube 
where following one video, they will autoplay another or show you a sidebar. Recommendations are different. They don't put my videos in suggested anymore. Okay. They'll periodically appear, but it's down like 90%. Okay. So if you like this video, you have to share it. Otherwise, just tell me to screw off in the comments and don't. It's fine. But let's read. The Hill writes, Seth MacFarlane begged Democrats to unify on Friday, urging more unity, less Twitter, while warning social media style outrage will lead to President Trump's reelection. That's what I've been saying. And they're calling me right wing for saying it. Come on. If you allow the disease of social media style outrage to infect congressional process, it's going to be more Trump in 2020. Put the internet on pause, get in a room and talk. You don't get it, Seth. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I think we need to sit down and I can explain these things to you. In fact, they're, they're more, they're better versed individuals than I who can explain to you what's happening with the Democrats. Although I think I, I read too much about, it. I probably know a lot, but let's, uh, let's read a little bit more. They go on to talk about Nancy Pelosi and Ocasio-Cortez's spat, the ridiculous tweet. Now, here's, here, let's, let's just jump over to Seth MacFarlane's tweet. It's from the 11th of July. Well, for those that haven't been following, on, uh, this is kind of an addendum to my main channel video where I talked about the most psychotic tweet I've ever seen a professional organization put out. Quite literally, the House Democrats' official account slamming Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff with hand claps, accusing him essentially of being racist. Seth, your message, deaf ears. Okay, it's falling on deaf ears. I don't know what to do other than call it out. And they smear me because of it. Simply talking about something and criticizing it now makes you right wing. Sure, even though I literally have donated to two Democrats, three, no, four, actually. I've donated to Tulsi Yang, Marianne Williamson, and Mike Gravel. Marianne is such a sweetheart. She's just got a wholesome, I'm like, I want her on the debate stage. I, I, I love the kooky, spiritual hippie lady. Mike Gravel is hilarious, and he wants to call out the warmonger Joe Biden. It's fun. But in all, but honestly, Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang, they're not playing these stupid games, okay? I mean, Marion Williamson certainly has the most interesting Twitter, I might say. But, uh, but Yang and, and, uh, and Gabbard, very principled. Unfortunately, the rest of the Democrats are playing the game. Seth calls them out. Well, here's what we need, man. We need more American high-profile Hollywood liberals to call these people out. This is awesome. Seth MacFarlane tweeting, knock it off. It's awesome. Unfortunately, woke left dominates Twitter and the Democrats won't listen to you. I don't, I don't know what you need to do, man, Seth. You're really rich. Maybe you can like, you know, dish out some money on some PSAs being like, get off Twitter. It's driving you all insane. Look, man, I'm, I, I've always been more to the left than even the Democrats. And I hate the elitists. I hate, they're all super rich. I made a half an hour video laughing about Ocasio-Cortez's win because Crowley is a long-term incumbent who didn't really do much for people in the district. I want real representation, real politics, real challenges, real solutions. Ocasio-Cortez is not that solution. She is a bloviating blowhard and she's a narcissist. Okay. Now here's the thing. Here's what I want to highlight. In the tweet from Seth MacFarlane, again, big fan. Love his shows. I'm sure most of you do too. Offensive comedy. They got a character on Family Guy, uh, Mort the Jew, and they make, like, it's literally a stereotype. It could be more offensive, but it's a com, it's comedy. It's, it's, it's meant to be silly. It's meant to poke at the absurdities of the bigots. It's what comedy's for. But look at what people said. This guy says, don't, uh, don't start no S, won't be no S, Seth. 
Since the moment the Justice Dem freshman class arrived, Pelosi and loser Crowley and their crowd have been talking mad s about them every step of the way. It's not our fault that they're losing the fight they picked. Then this one, this, uh, this Bootsy Rose says, don't blame Twitter. Here's an in, in, uh, one of the interesting tweets. We're not on the same side. Party leadership got caught cheating Bernie. Agreed. And still pretends they did nothing. Agreed. They make tax cuts uh, permanent. Agreed. <laughs> Aid and endless wars. Yeah, with you there, buddy. Enable GOP. Mm, uh, not so much. They kind of obstructed the border funding for a long time. Deny our reforms to enrich themselves and donors. I'm going to agree with that. Pelosi is clearly bitter at AOC for intruding on that club. Now, I'm going to disagree there. Pelosi is mad that AOC is a fringe weirdo who is disrupting everything and guaranteeing Trump the victory. Like Seth MacFarlane said, that's what's happening. We have this tweet. Dear person with a 15 million uh, Twitter platform, we are not on the same side, nor are all people whose vote will be needed to defeat Trump, registered Democrats. Almost all elected Dems are owned by the fossil fuels, the MIC, Wall Street, and Insafarmi. What do you think Psycat Chakrabarty worked before propping up Cortez, who's knocking everything down for the Democrats? My God, you get me defending Nancy Pelosi. What has happened to our politics? I don't like Nancy Pelosi, but I'm going to defend her because she is not as bad as the woke fringe leftists posting their insane stuff on the internet. But you know what I'm going to say? Full stop, full criticism, straight to the House Democrats. That tweet they put out, it's so nightmarishly insane. My God, it's over, isn't it? The Democrats have just burned themselves down. And uh, Seth MacFarlane, I'm sorry, you're wrong. We're not on the same side. And they're, they're telling you in the comments, they're not on your side. They are not on your side. And for saying this, they will smear you as right wing. They'll call you alt right. If you try and defend your comedy, it is only through sheer luck. Woke Twitter hasn't gone after Family Guy, American Dad, South Park, etc. The Simpsons have gone woke for the most part. They had one episode where like Abe Simpson was questioning his sexuality and like kissed a dude. And like, you know what? That's fine, man. Like do your shows. But clearly it shows a, a shift in the cultural norms. Seth, you're on the wrong side. I'm sorry. You're a, you're, you're a liberal. Well, the woke left identitarians have taken over. Even the Simpsons have gone identitarian. I'm, I'm surprised your show still exists, to be honest. I mean, it, it was actually, uh, they got in trouble a long time ago for their episode, Wish Upon a Weinstein, because it was considered to be offensive to Jewish people and eventually got put back on the air. And now, now it regularly airs. It's mind blowing to me that we, we can have, you know, Adult Swim airing shows like Rick and Morty and, and Family Guy and American Dad. You know what, man? I'm going to say this. It's only a matter of time before Seth MacFarlane is called alt-right. The people responding to his tweet are, are straight up telling him we are not on the same side. So what do you think? A couple weeks? Sorry, we aren't all on the same team. Pelosi needs to go. Well, there you go, dude. After decades of voting straight ticket Dem, I left the party, as did millions of other progressives. Trump is not the cause. He's the symptom. After years of talking about impeachment, when it came time to act, they changed their minds. The party needs to be gutted. It's over, bro. You know what you're going to, you know what's going to happen? Seth, you want free speech. You want the right to make jokes. I'm not saying to be a dick. I'm not saying to purposely insult people. I'm saying just to have a good time and laugh and, and talk about ideas. It's, it's not in the left anymore. The Democrats are, are in disarray. The left is fighting each other. Woke Twitter is destroying everything. Twitter was the wrong place to put this out. It's only a matter of time, man. They're going to come for him. When do you think it'll happen? You think it'll be in the next couple of weeks? I don't know. It's weird. So I'll, I'll leave you with this. I'm, I'm curious. Why haven't they gone after South Park and Family Guy? Ridiculously offensive shows. Why not? Maybe they have. 
I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you think the big networks would cancel these shows over their offensive comedy? If Seth MacFarlane did half the jokes he does on Family Guy in real life and stand-up, he would be smeared all day. He's, he'd be called alt-right. And I'm not even exaggerating. Listen, I'll stress this. I was always, I was always curious. It was always, I was always wondering why on Family Guy, Cleveland voiced by a white dude, right? Where's the woke outrage there? You know, you know what I mean? Anyway, I'll, I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all in the next bit. I've made a few references to the Ricky Gervais podcast with Sam Harris. It's the Sam Harris podcast where Ricky Gervais was a guest. Recently, Ricky Gervais has made many tweets about defending free speech and the right to joke about things. And in this podcast, Ricky makes a really interesting point. He said, can you believe that there are people calling, uh, claiming doctors are fat shaming them? Doctors. Seriously, he's trying to save your life. Could you imagine cancer shaming someone? Like, I can't believe it. The doctor said I had cancer. That's, I'm, I'm offended. Well, yeah, you've got cancer. He's trying to, to, to treat you and, and keep you healthy. It's the absurdity of woke 2019 that, yes, we literally have stories where doctors are getting in trouble for trying to be accurate in science. And here's the, here's the next story. I, I, I kid you not. UK doctor claims he was fired for rejecting gender fluid pronouns. Dr. David Makarath claims he was fired for his refusal to call any six foot tall bearded man, madam, on his whim. Apparently that's the quote. Listen, I'm all about respecting people. I have actually uh, no problem referring to someone with their preferred pronoun. Really don't care, man. It, It means nothing to me. You can call me whatever you want. Call me Susan if it makes you happy. I don't care. Okay. I will try to accommodate others to the best of my ability, but don't get mad at me if I don't know your pronoun and certainly don't fire a doctor when he wants to refer to you as the medically accurate term, which apparently is what happened. This story from human events. Now, before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, the best thing you can do, just share this video. YouTube doesn't, doesn't recommend independent creators. Um, I'm sorry, they don't suggest independent creators anymore. They still recommend some sometimes. A lot of people don't seem to understand there's a difference. It means they're not promoting my content as much, so I ask you to do it. But let's read the story. From uh, Human Events, Ian Miles Chong writes, a British doctor has been sacked from his government job following his refusal to refer to a hypothetical person described as a six-foot-tall bearded man with feminine pronouns. Dr. David Makareth, a 56-year-old assessor at the UK's Department of Work and Pensions told an employment tribunal that he believes he was fired for his religious beliefs. He alleges that the topic of transgenderism and gender fluidity came up in a conversation with a line manager who asked him, if you have a, if you have a man six foot tall with a beard who says he wants to be addressed as she and Mrs., would you do that? I'm going to stop here. I would. I don't care, man. If you came to me and said you want to be called the Banana King, I'll call you the Banana King, man. <laughs> it's not, it's no sweat off my back. I just don't think people should be compelled to do it. There's a difference between respecting someone and oppressing someone. There's a difference between asking someone to respect you and then forcing them to do, do so by damaging their lives. Let's, it, it's, 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 see, the difference is freedom versus leftism. Okay, These woke social justice types are authoritarian. I am still kind of a social justice type except I don't believe you should force people to do things. And we can all, we can all stand to grow up a little bit and stop getting so angry and offended at everything. I would say this, I actually prefer and w- would request people use, you know, whatever name or pronoun someone asks you to, 
within reason. I think a lot of the made-up pronouns kind of cross, cross uh, the line because it's getting weird. You can't have 500 pronouns. You're trying to teach someone English. They're going to be confused. But look, man, if you came to me and said, can you refer to me as, you know, Wubu Babo? I'd be like, you got it, Wubu Babo. I, I, I don't care. Call you the Banana King. I'll call you, you know, um, Lord Farquaad or uh, Shazira, leader of the forest elves. It doesn't mean anything to me, man. It, it doesn't. I can understand that some people th- find it silly, but the real issue here is authoritarianism, plain and simple. Now, by all means, look, I'm not saying you, you, uh, the point I'm making is if you're someone on the right who completely disagrees with this, well, by all means, don't say someone's pronouns. It's a free country. You can speak what you want. No one can force you to do it. This, I believe, is, is, is uh, it's in the UK where they don't have free speech and they are forced to do it. So let's, uh, let's read on. The medic who has 30 years of medical experience, secured a job as a health and disability assessor in Birmingham last May. The Telegraph reports that Macarith, who now works as an emergency doctor, is now suing both the DWP and APM, the recruitment company that hired him, for discrimination on religious grounds. The lawsuit is supported by the Christian Legal Center. The company claims that his views are not compatible with human dignity. Macarith claims that he was let go that following June after an email exchange with his manager, James Owens, for refusing to call any six-foot-tall bearded man madam on his whim, describing it as an interrogation. The doctor claims his boss told him that it was overwhelmingly likely he would lose his job unless he complied. The email presented to the court read, If, however, you do not want to do this, we will respect your decision and your right to leave your contract. I am a, uh, Macrith replied, I am a Christian and in good conscience cannot do what the DWP is requiring of me. And once again, we can see the clash of so- social justice and civil liberties. I did an inter, I did a discussion with David Pakman. It was really interesting. I, I actually find that I'm to the left of David on the issue of uh, social justice and civil liberties in that I believe religious uh, uh, beliefs should be protected. Mostly because while I understand ideology is a hard thing to protect, we already have this enshrined and we should probably keep it where it is. But David said he wasn't so sure that religions should be a a protected class. I think the reason it should be and the reason it's important is that when you have Christians and Muslims and Jews all living in the same place and there is a history of violence between these religious factions, they must they must be able to live together. And we need an overarching system that says you can't discriminate against them because they believe something different than you. I think it's a good thing. I believe that if you're Christian and you go into, say, like a a Muslim owned bakery, they can't turn you away because you're Christian. That would be wrong and kind of scary. And that's why it is scary that political beliefs fall into a similar category because it is still at, at its root an ideology. I don't know how to expand this, but I do think it's, it's a difficult space to navigate. The point I want to make, if you're a Christian and it says God created, Ad- God created Adam and Eve, you believe there are two genders because the Bible says so, Adam and Eve, and the Bible actually you know, has other uh, um, you know, things within it, not just the Bible, but the Quran, the Torah as well. Will you then be forced to, to claim there is a third gender or otherwise? If the Bible says Adam and Eve, that's your religious belief. Can someone force you to violate that and speak something? So the UK, again, doesn't have free speech. In the US, it's interesting because you have a First Amendment right to not be compelled to speak, which creates a, a protection for us, which is an overall, overall good thing. But what we're seeing in the US is the outsourcing of, pub, of the commons to private companies, which then allow for discrimination based on protected classes. 
It's actually a really interesting thing, and, and, and I'll go into more detail too. Um, when talking with David Peckman, he brought up a really interesting point. I claimed that Twitter has a protection that allows them to be biased against, say, the LGBT community. And he said, that's not true. They've not, they have no right to ban someone simply for being gay, but they can ban you for promoting the idea. And that was an interesting distinction. I said, oh, that's a good point. Being a Christian is different from speaking a Christian belief. So the question would that be, if you went to a bakery and you said something about the Lord, our God, and you said, I believe God this, and that's why I'm going to buy an orange juice. And they kicked you out for saying that. Would, would that be discrimination based on being a Christian? Or could they simply say he was being loud and disruptive? Things get rather complicated. So the issue then with social media networks, I don't, I don't want to go too, too, much, too much on this one, is that they're banning ideas, which is interesting because religion is a set of ideas. So where is the line being drawn? And can you force someone to express an idea? The reason I bring this up is uh, Twitter, Facebook, or otherwise, these social, social media giants claim they can't be compelled to host someone's speech. But let's read on. They write, if something like that happened in, uh, okay, so the, doc- the doctor says he, doesn't, he did not resign his position and is instead the victim of discrimination and harassment. He told the court, the very fact a doctor can be pulled off the shop floor for an urgent interrogation about his beliefs on gender fluidity is both absurd and very sinister, even more so if it results in dismissal. If something like that happened in a church setting, people being pulled out of a pew, questioned, and then excommunicated, that would be seen as an outrageous example of religious intolerance and bigotry. They go on to say that Macarth, a self-described unashamed Christian and trained theologian, told the Birmingham Tribunal that his contract was terminated not because of any realistic concerns over the rights and sensitivities of transgender individuals, but because of my refusal to make an abstract ideological pledge. The doctor's lawsuit blurs the lines between transsexuality and the concept of gender fluidity, a new form of gender identity that now falls under LGBTQ plus umbrella. If you believe in gender fluidity, gender is no more than one's own fantasy about oneself, said the doctor. He called it a delusional belief. It is only recently that transgenderism has been recognized as normal and such delusional beliefs accepted at face value. That is what is responsible for that change is political pressure, not scientific evidence. Well, I agree with the scientific evidence thing to an extent, but there is some psychological stuff and it's it's a complicated issue. Look, I don't care if you walk around dressed like a clown juggling bananas all day. Just don't throw bananas at me right? We have a right to live and let live. And you can call yourself whatever you want, be it transgender, transracial, furry, whatever, man. The problem is when they force it on other people and that's what we're seeing. And that's what's dangerous. Final point. Thanks for hanging out. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel, the podcast every day at 630. And I will see you all next time. YouTube is self-destructing. There was a period early on where they had a bunch of specific personalities that did really well on YouTube. They promoted Well, those people don't get nearly as much traffic and views anymore for a variety of reasons. Vice is one of these channels. Let me explain something to you about YouTube. In the early days, you know, 10 years ago or so, there was very little digital content. So those of us who were early cord cutters who wanted to watch a movie or a documentary or something, we went to YouTube. There wasn't really a Hulu or a Netflix for the most part. Actually, I don't think there really was. Um, People wanted to watch movies, they'd rent them, they'd watch them on TV. So when you look at what Vice was doing with their early documentaries, they got millions, tens of millions of views, because what else was there? This was entertaining long-form content. It wasn't TV quality necessarily, but it was still a good show. A bunch of other YouTubers did good as well. They were making entertaining bits, and then as time went on, 
the market expanded and more professional people started to use the platform, it then began to corporatize. You now see YouTube promoting CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers, et cetera, et cetera, because now they're like, oh, we finally got the big corporate players on our platform. We don't need these people anymore. So here's what happens. We have this story from BuzzFeed about VidCon's 10-year anniversary. Influencers, fans, and brands all seem ready to leave YouTube behind. And it's really simple. YouTube doesn't care about us anymore. So here's what, here's what I'm going to say. And, 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 and like I, you know, I do this in a lot of videos. Timcast.com slash donate if you want to support my work. There's a bunch of ways to do it. But I always ask you guys to share my videos for one reason. YouTube doesn't anymore. They recommend my content for sure. Don't get me wrong. But suggestions after you watch a video, what do you get? Mainstream media, be it late night talk show hosts, John Oliver, people like these people are out of touch. They're boring and they're not YouTube personalities that interact with you. I will say this too. What I really love about the, the latest press around the White House summit is that I used to be like Tim Pool, uh, award-winning journalist, former director of innovation for an ABC Univision joint venture, and the founding member of Vice News, who, who was essentially the key player in launching it. All of those accolades are gone for YouTube personality. I appreciate it. Don't care, though. Look, I'm proud to be on YouTube. I went here purposefully. I left corporate media, got on YouTube, and what does YouTube do? They wash their hands of us once they don't need us anymore. So we, we, we rely on you for the shares. But check this out. I was supposed to go to VidCon. And I am greatly appreciative of uh, um, Google setting up YouTube, setting me up with actually VIP access to a bunch of their uh, parties and events. Here's the problem. I reached out to VidCon several years ago, and this was like before I started doing, you know, big YouTube stuff. I was still very prominent in the live streaming space. One of the most prominent live streaming news figures, if not the like, like was the, I, I think it's fair to say that I was the news live streaming personality, won awards for it, featured in magazines for it, um, et cetera. And they told me they wouldn't have me. And it's really interesting why. Well, I found out again, you know, a couple years later that they, they claimed they weren't having a news panel. They did. Who did they bring? Left-wing activists claiming they were journalists. And it was just complete nonsense. And that's what VidCon is. It's a political conference for the most part. Sure, the kids go there and buy their candy bars and play video games, but YouTube and uh, uh, VidCon just prop up specific creators that no one cares about anymore. This is YouTube self-destructing. Check this out. BuzzFeed writes, the YouTubers people care about can't be invited because they're all out of control and the safer creators they did invite are all traumatized. That's an opinion and not correct. Daniel Keene, the massive influencer vlogger behind the 5 million subscriber strong YouTube gossip channel Drama Alert spent the week around VidCon deri- derisively tweeting about how irrelevant the conference is now. He said, when VidCon sends its YouTubers, they're not sending their best. They're sending YouTubers that have lots of dead channels. They're bringing in fidget spinners. They're bringing in hoverboards. They're randoms, Kim <laughs> tweeted. <coughs> Clearly a reference to Donald Trump. Quite humorous. I laughed. But it's true. I, when I was there a couple of years ago, I decided not to go back. I, I was thinking about going this year, but it's just not worth it. Even though I had VIP access and was going to be allowed to do these parties, nobody shows up anymore. They're promoting channels that are dead, channels that don't make videos, channels that get no views. And they're claiming that, uh, you know, BuzzFeed claims that other people who are invited are traumatized. That's not true at all. Look at what he says. These VidCon picks all over Twitter have the same people that were cool in 2013. 
and 100% irrelevant now. He went on to tweet, it's the same people every year. VidCon does not rep the actual stars of the platform. And I tell you this now, whether you follow Keemstar or not, he knows better than anyone. He does. It's literally his job. He talks about YouTube drama and, and other pop culture drama. It's a massive channel with 5 million subscribers. It gets like a million views per day. It's ridiculous. It's huge. He knows. And here he is telling you straight up, this conference doesn't represent anybody interesting anymore. Look at, look at the YouTube rewind they do every year. It just gets worse and worse. They bring in Will Smith. Come on, man. What about the massively successful YouTubers who are growing up on the platform and now not being represented anymore? This is another big problem of YouTube. 10 years ago, people watched this stuff. Guess what? They're, they're in their late 20s, early 30s now, and they're worried about politics, political issues, cultural issues, and you are not dealing with this anymore. You're bringing in kids. I get it. It's a big market for kids. But VidCon has three floors. It's an industry floor. You need to expand, man. You need to talk about stuff we care about. The things that we all love that are under attack every day by fringe wacko identitarians on the left that want to destroy our games and movies with nonsense. And I'm not being hyperbolic and talking about how it's a grand conspiracy. I'm literally saying there are a couple instances where specific things have happened. I also think it's fair to point out as a disclaimer, there are a lot of people who overhype and act like the woke leftism is worse than it really is. I think it's a big issue. Talk about it a lot. Not every instance of a woke movie is the worst thing in the world. And a lot of people will push nonsense for clicks. But the reality is, there is a culture war happening there, and, and VidCon is trying to avoid any controversy, but they also just do a bad job because they, they, they do represent one side. They bring in people like Anita Sarkeesian, not trying to be disrespectful, just pointing out she is on one side of the issue. They give her a platform. They bring on left-wing activists. What about the rest of us? What about the regular people who are big fans of Vice who aren't anymore because they went nuts? Look, you look at the viewership. Why is that Vice can't get the same amount of viewership they used to? They do get periodically. Well, it's partly because they've gone woke. And now people, it's, it's, it's a divide. Let's read a little bit more. They say, VidCon's relationship with YouTube's bigger, more unruly stars is complicated to say the least. In 2017, Logan Paul hid three grand around VidCon and turned the convention center into an al almost uh, riot as fans scrambled to find the cash. They talk about TanaCon. They say the big YouTubers who did attend VidCon this year seemed more interested in probing the darkness of YouTube fame than celebrating a decade of it. L Mills, a YouTuber who had to take a break from the platform last year due to burnout after crossing 1 million subscribers, was especially candid about the pressures of online fame. Growing up, I never had mental health problems, but last year on tour, I had my first panic attack. I couldn't make another video without addressing it. I couldn't fake a smile. On stage next her was Dan Howell a veteran YouTuber who also took a year-long hiatus before he recently returned with a video where he came out as gay. Howell spoke about how trapped he felt as a YouTube creator, churning out videos and unable to properly deal with his mental health. When you're constantly being a YouTuber, you're expected to keep doing things, he said. It's like I couldn't grow or change behind the scenes. And this, this is also another you know, side note outside of the YouTube controversy. People often wonder why rock stars, so many have died of overdose. Why do they do drugs? I don't think people realize being well-known, uh, being famous, being notable, it's not all you know, sunshine and rainbows, right? I literally have hit pieces coming out against me, lying about me. I get death threats. I have to have home security. It's not necessarily fun. Not only that, but going outside, sometimes random people like, look, I appreciate it when people like, you know, the stuff that I do. It's kind of weird. Look, let me say this. I'm just sitting in a room talking to a, a, a little like a, a, a piece of glass. Like I don't see anybody, you know? And on the other side of these videos, there's hundreds of thousands of people. 
And it has a huge impact because a lot of these people hate my guts. Here's the thing though, man. I'm not going to blame YouTube because of burnout. If you don't have what it takes to scale Mount Everest, don't try. You know, train yourself. Get to that point. I have grown and, and I've experienced this stuff. And you know what? I'm, I'm carved out of wood, man. I get it. You know, I've been triggered. I've been trolled sometimes. I've gotten angry. But for the most part, it rolls off my back and I, I, I move on. There's no one forcing you to do this. Anyway, I don't want to get into too much about the YouTube burnout stuff. The point I'm trying to make is, is to highlight what Keemstar said. And I'll pull up his Twitter here specifically. Keem's right. YouTube doesn't care about us. They're not sharing us anymore. They're censoring certain political commentary. They're propping up the mainstream media. And that also contributes to the burnout. When people see their viewers, viewership go down, they panic. What are they doing wrong? What can they do better? Their life is on the line. Their career is on the line. Some people aren't making a lot of money on YouTube. They're making just enough. And when their viewership goes down, now they're not going to pay their rent. How do you solve the problem when you don't know what the problem is? YouTube deranked my channel and many others. Dave Rubin, for instance. We, we, we placed a bet on, on these platforms. You know what? I'll put it this way. I'm critical of YouTube. YouTube has no obligation to, pro- to promote me. But it is fair to point out YouTube is going full corporate. It is what it is. We've seen the numbers. We've seen the metrics. And then we can look at events like VidCon and see that they're either catering to the woke left or they're just propping up dead channels, people that, aren't, that are totally irrelevant today. Plain and simple. I say that too much, don't I? So anyway, look, I, I wanted to rant about YouTube. There's a lot more to rant about, but uh, I, I, you know, I don't think too many people will care about this video. It is what it is. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Um, I, for some reason, thought my last segment was, was, was uh, uh, the, the, the last segment, but uh, whatever. Uh, I will see you in the next video tomorrow at 10 a.m. and uh, uh, 6.30 for the podcast. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you next time.